feel like sometimes life is really mental. Dude, that's actually a really good name for a podcast. <laughs> Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. I have used music as a tool to make myself a boat. I rather coexist with the stress. And I use music to, uh, as a tool. Hey everyone, welcome back to Really Mental, a podcast where we talk about mental health and identity. Today we have an amazing guest, Neve. And if you enjoy this episode, please follow, like, share, and subscribe on all platforms you listen to podcasts and preferably five stars. Today we're going to be talking about resilience. I want to get straight into it and ask you, Will, has there ever been a time where you've had to show resilience in a situation? Definitely. So to start this off, and I'm very excited today to have our first K-pop artist on. It's going to be the first of many. So very excited to kick things off with Neve. I wanted to start by defining resilience, the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties and toughness. In other words, to spring back. I think for me, how I resonate with this is just all of my low points, whether it's with my career, when I left the music group I was in, we were doing really well. And I really had to start from scratch in uh, music sense and career-wise. It was really destabilizing for my identity. I've had to rebuild everything from scratch. And throughout those times, I think what kept me going was just I had this belief inside that I would come back stronger than ever, and then I really could do something with my music. So starting from scratch again with my music, I think definitely in a career sense, I showed a lot of resilience in doing that because it's taken a couple of years just to where I am now to really get set up and in a good place again. I think as well, just mentally, uh, I think back to times when I was struggling with lots of depression and anxiety and just Going through those times and realizing time, a lot can happen when you work towards your development and you allow time to to pass. You actually do overcome a lot of things and you can be very resilient. I agree with you. I think that people think resilience is always like going through such like a really hard thing and then getting out of it, which I think like yes to an extent. But I think from a day-to-day perspective, we all have challenges we have to face and it's how you are resilient towards those challenges and how you kind of like climb over those little mountains And those little challenges each time, that's still showing resilience and following your goals and your dreams and what you want to do. Yeah. Every time you wake up and decide you're going to try your best and it's going to be a great day, you're going to get out of bed, that is showing resilience as well. So with that in mind, we are welcoming very excitedly, Neve to Really Mental. Hey everyone, just want to let you know that we have an Amazon AMP show with amazing guests every week similar to the podcast. It's going to be at 7pm PT and 10pm ET. So go download the Amazon AMP app and we'll see you there. So Neve, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yes, sir. I go by the stage name as Neve. Uh, my original name is Jisoo Park. I use the name as the writer and producer I write songs to express myself, uh, mostly about myself these days. Other than that, you can just think of me as the friendly, just neighbor musician who just does music as if he's writing diaries. (laughs) (laughs) That's weird, but yeah. (laughs) No, I love it. Well, I think, you know, every intro for each guest is slightly different. And so I like that. You had 
it was uniquely you. So I think that your music as well, it is very personal. I know that you touch on subjects around, you know, talking about your feelings, mental health, which is obviously what we do here with Really Mental. I guess I wanted to also have you touch on just before we hop into the conversation, you write for other artists as well and really big artists. Could you tell us some of the artists you've worked with recently? So I started with EXO, Chen, BTS, Cravity, uh, CLC, Paul Kim, Sam Kim, EXO as a group, Chen as solo, uh, Super Junior, more and more. I think all, you know. Prolific. <laughs> now that I'm like talking about it, I'm, I'm thinking like as I go, I'm like, I did write songs <laughs> for different artists. So yeah, I want to bring it back to Nave as a kid. How would you describe yourself? I was very quiet. I love to read books. Not these days. More like a calm. I could be friendly when I was young um, if people talked to me. But then most of the times, I just didn't talk that much. So people thought that I was maybe sometimes mad at something, but I really wasn't. I was just thinking about stuff and people just thought that some people thought that I couldn't talk. <laughs> a happy childhood. How did you find music? It's more like a music found me because at the time I really wasn't interested in anything, but I could feel that this insecurities were all kind of feelings growing, growing inside of me. And when I was hearing music, I could kind of get away from what I was going through, all the feelings that I was going through. I could get away to this different dimension and I could just freely express myself and just listening to the other people's music were more like experiencing different universe. So that was more like uh, uh, getting in touch with music moment. How did your parents take you getting into music? Were they excited? What was their reaction? I spent my elementary school years in Korea. And, you know, some think of like, Asian parents be more like scolding and bold about like you have to study a lot. <laughs> uh, my parents were far from it. They were worried at some point, you know, they were thinking about like where my life would go if I didn't study because I wasn't really an academic kid in class. So my parents were worried about, okay, we get it. But what are you going to be doing instead of studying if you're not going to pursue your goal in that way? When I told my parents that I love music, but I didn't tell them that I was going to pursue my goal as a musician. I just told them, I don't think I'm interested in anything, but I'm interested in music. And I could tell that they were happy. But at least I had something to focus in. <laughs> when you were a kid, I was reading that you really liked to play the clarinet. What made you fall in love with playing the clarinet? My mom knew that I was quite capable in playing instruments. So she instead asked me, how about I play wood instruments? I thought clarinet was really cool. So that's how I got in touch with clarinet. And after that, I participated in this like music competition and I got placed second place and that's the time that I felt like oh wow I'm, I'm good at something <laughs> so I think from that point on I kind of kept on doing it because that that way I could shine a little more and, and express myself a little more I'm glad you had a good experience and you were obviously talented 
um, when you were playing. So my question is, are we going to hear a clarinet on your one of your next songs? Well, you already heard some of the clarinet in BTS song. You guys are definitely going to be uh, hearing my clarinet playing in some of my music, <laughs> upcoming music. That's so cool. That's exciting. In modern music, that isn't an instrument people necessarily go to, I would say, but I'm sure you're going to make it work. All your music sounds dope, so it's going to sound cool. I know you've like lived in a bunch of different places like South Korea, Australia. How have those different places like influenced who you are today? You know, if you listen to my music, it's kind of like in all kinds of different places. And I've been having nomad lifestyle. I've been living in Korea for 13 years and moved to Australia. First artist that I was introduced to was Matt Corby. I, I think. Oh, yeah. We spoke to Matt. You, you spoke to him? Really? We have our episode out. He'd like your music. I'll make sure we send it to him. Yes. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. So I, I've been I've been a fan of him since then. That's I think the first kind of pop influence that I had when he was in Australian Idol 2007, I guess 2007 2008. And he sang Beatles Symphony. I remember a few years have passed, and I moved to New Jersey. There, I first listened to Josh Groban. <laughs> went to uh, his concert too because uh, my aunt bought me a ticket. I was awed. Uh, firstly, I thought that I didn't know that a human being can sing that well. <laughs> and then I didn't know that you can cross over the genres. It was huge at the time. Everywhere I went, all those experiences interfering with different artists really again, intentionally and unintentionally made me, when I'm writing my songs, it just influenced me a lot. That's so cool. Were you still shy when you were in Australia and America or did that change? Well, I had some kind of like somewhat sad story back in Australia. Uh, When I moved to Australia, I couldn't really speak English that well. Everything seemed scary. And one time my mom made me this huge homemade food. She made it times double. She doubled it so that I could share it with friends. And I didn't have friends. So I went to school toilet, bathroom, and I sat um, on top of the bed and I was like eating myself. Yeah, that's sad. And then um, my teacher found out about that. And she told me, why don't I join choir? And there I kind of got courage to talk to people. And from there on, uh, I I made friends. I I worked as proper human being, (laughs) socializing. I was quiet, but I had friends. We're talking today about resilience. And I'm interested during those, you know, times when you struggled, was it friends that was the main thing that sort of helped you get out of that or... Was it music? What do you think would be the main sort of factor that got you out of those places? To be 180% honest with you guys, I really didn't feel the need of overcoming that stress. I made, uh, used music as a tool to make myself a boat. So that was kind of like my, my life. I never got away from the river because I kind of knew that the more I tried to get away, I knew uh, knowing myself, I would drown a little deeper in a negative way. I'd rather coexist with the stress 
and I use music to uh, as a tool. Are there any other things that you do to like coexist with the stress? Because that's a really interesting point you made that I've never actually heard before. How have you been able to do that in like a healthy way? The answer to that would be very cliche. I, I wrote songs, but I wrote a particular song like the first single uh, first single that I released in 2018, it was called Getaway. Uh, and the second single was, it was called Tired. So uh, when I was writing that song, uh, Tired, I just talk about me being tired. I wrote the song in 30 minutes, just sitting on the couch. I felt like, like drowning. I just wanted to express how tired I was, but I never gave an answer to how to be over-retired. I wrote this song to get away from me being tired by not giving answer, but just expressing. <laughs> yeah, Just expressing itself was uh, me coexisting with stress, just acknowledging it. Wow, that's interesting because I'm reading the lyrics and you actually do make reference to the water. How do I breathe when I'm underwater? Please don't tell me it's a part of the growing. I'm sick of this pain. Do you think, were you thinking of that sort of analogy when you wrote this song or have you realized that after writing it? I realized that after writing it because at that time I didn't intend to write this lyrics or that lyrics or like in this way, that way. I just wrote as I went. All those words are there if there was like random person in front of me, I would speak the same thing. I would say the same words. So you would have gone back to Korea when you were around 18, right? Mm-hmm. What were you doing? Can you talk us through sort of the start of your artist's journey? So I went to college. It's, it was called Manus College of Music. I majored in classical clarinet there. Went there for a year and then I decided to take a leave of absence in 2011 because I felt like there was one day that I forgot to bring clarinet and my major is clarinet but I brought guitar to college that day I realized that I needed something else in my life than just playing clarinet I wanted to do busking you know you know it's like singing on a street or join different groups you know groups of people just singing uh, random songs singing institute or something like that I just needed some new new vibe i started uploading videos on youtube one video went viral it wasn't youtube it was called view.com one of my videos i sang all of me by john legend it kind of got viral and people has been listening to it over and over again and, and it went slightly viral on youtube and there i got contacted from korean audition program it was called superstar k season six it's more like american idol I thought I thought it was a it was a good opportunity, and I wanted something fun. So I went to audition as a New York auditioner. I passed. Then I went to Korea, and everything started. It was a brutal show, to be honest. There, I realized the face of the music industry, K-pop industry, too, in Korea. What was brutal about the show? Uh, the schedule. I had to lose weight. Oh, dude. Uh, harsh people, uh, harsh managers, and desperate people, desperate musicians too. I had hard times talking about things with them. I felt very guilty of becoming, you know, like top 
11, I ended in top nine in this show. But the journey through there, I honestly wanted to enjoy music, but I realized that enjoying music wasn't enough. The real life stress came into my life. How did it make you feel? Very vulnerable, insecure, felt like I didn't want to pursue music as my goal. What made you want to continue? I didn't know any other way to express myself other than music. At that point, music really wasn't just a tool. It's in my blood. Giving up on music would be giving up on myself. So I couldn't do that. Still wrote songs and new path opened up for me. Thankfully, thankfully. (laughs) Wow. From that point, when did you become you know, a a producer, a songwriter, because that's obviously a very different thing to singing other people's songs. As I continued with writing songs after songs, releasing songs by myself and through the other artists, there have been times where people started calling me producer. I didn't position myself as producer. As I kind of grew my categories, there have been times where people now acknowledge me as Wow, he's a producer. And I'm very grateful and thankful, but I never intended to become a producer. That was my goal. I, I really wanted to be somebody who who can do everything, who's like all-rounder. I also knew that I had to work really hard and I wasn't really up to the point where I can say, proudly say that, oh yeah, hey, I'm Neil, I'm producer. No. The opportunities were given. I don't think I earned it just because... I just know there are people who try harder than I do. And still the opportunities haven't given. I I really think that that's what I should be thankful and grateful for. I still feel weird. I still do feel weird about writing songs for many famous artists. Now I'm at a point where I'm realizing, starting to realize that we can be poor but rich in heart. And if I have to choose between those two lifestyles, I would go for the second one. Can you tell us a bit about the K-pop journey and the K-pop industry? I know that there's a system that is pretty different to, say, in America, Australia, where artists go into academies. Can you speak sort of on how the industry like works? Mm -hmm. Well, to uh, segmentize K-pop industry, there are so many, but there are label, there's management, there's publishing side, and there's promotion side. So management and promotions, I, th- I guess it's the same thing. Well, label, it's artist carrying uh, business, right? And we all know what label is, but then again, Korea, we have this specific system. We are more, more like systemized. Uh, let's say that we have the idol system where we have to take care of, let's say seven to 13 people or even like 20 some odd people. I know some companies make them to stay in the same house in different sectors and then they pay for their expenses and then they have to recoup as they do after their debut it can have the brutal side but then it can also be good for them too because other than that they the whole company takes care of them a lot of now uh, trainees are well aware of the system and then if you are with big companies it's hardly likely you will fail miserably. At least you will be able to make a living. We are in a 
era where we can we can do that. Before like 10, 20 years ago, it was very hard for artists. So that's the label side. And then we have publishing sides where we sell songs. You know, it's more like a producer's writer side. So I'm kind of like in both worlds. But these days I'm working a little more as the publishing side. But I really didn't stop pursuing my goal as an artist. I'm still doing that too. The publishing side, we have arms of publishing company where we take care of all the royalties and, and writers' royalties. We manage writers too. Our company actually sends all the leads. Let's say that this company wants this type of songs for this artist. We get their leads and then we send it out to the writers and then we collect songs from the writers and then we pitch it to that label. And then the label, there's a sector called A&R sector, right? And people there select and listen to all the songs and select the songs. And that's how the businesses work. For your project, you also have a pretty big fan base in LA. That's one in the top five cities. And so America as well. Where do you feel like you sit in the industry in Korea? Because your music like reaches outside of that as well. Yeah, that I'm trying to figure out myself these days too. <laughs> um, I would say more of an international side, uh, more like um, East Asian coast and, and coastal area of like LA. But international fans are more active. Yeah, they're the ones who made fan clubs. They're the ones who really. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I would think that it'd be more Korean fans that are very engaged. That's what we thought. That's what we thought. But then thankfully, I have fans from all around the world, which I'm very grateful and thankful. I'm surprised that I have fan base like that. <laughs> so, so our fandom name is called Neverse. I feel very sorry these days because I haven't been posting anything on Instagram uh, lately, recently. I'm going through that phase of getting away from the world of internet. I, I talk to my fans. They all speak English very well. Some people are from Philippines, from Indonesia, from UK, from US, from Australia, from Turkey and Japan. So it, it's really international. Outside of that difference, maybe with the fans, how would you say the industry is different between America and Korea? I think we're going through the era where those two big whales are combining. I think we are we're in the in the era because you know we have BTS, now we have NCT, now we have different artists who are being truly aware of Western countries too. Before yeah, we were only influencing a bit of UK, Japan, most of the Asian countries, not US. Even the era of Gangnam style. It wasn't as truly recognized. It kind of opened the path, but then it didn't really place K-pop in Western countries like mindset. But then now with BTS, it's now really truly becoming the international. So I think those two industries are combining together. I would say there's not much of a difference these days. Culture difference is still there. Contractional difference is still there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting hearing from you and getting insight on that. 
I'm wondering with the amount of songs that you write, I know for me personally, sometimes I can actually feel a little bit numb to the putting into the emotion into a song because I'm just going through a bunch of songs. How do you keep that sort of, I guess, spiritual input that you're putting into every song? And do you ever feel a bit sort of, oh, this is just another song? There wasn't any songs that I felt like this is just a song. Every songs I write, there were like my emotional struggles or emotional just like happiness too. But yeah, I always put uh, emotions there. So my slogan is it's okay not to be okay. So it's really okay not to be okay. And that goal that I have inside my head is that I want people to not feel what I feel, but I want people to know that they're not alone. Because when I was introduced to music for the first time, that's the time that I felt like I'm, uh, that I realized that, oh, so there were people who felt the same way as I did. So I, I feel like releasing mirrors after mirrors so that people can look to them, look into themselves and then realize that, oh, this is how I, um, how I'm shaped. This is how I look like. Just knowing that and acknowledging it is very helpful. And I have passion to continue with that. I think that's how I cope up with just keep on going, keep on writing that passion. Who would you say is an artist in K-pop that you're really excited about? NCT, the SM Entertainment. NCT is going to be the next, I think, huge, huge influence. Also, that gets me excited because they have this like concept. Their theme is neo-culture technology. So when the owner of SM Entertainment introduced that idea that this group, in, in 2014, this group will be the next generation. So there will be 21 people in this group. They're replaceable, which means that they're, it's not AKB48, like, it's not like Japan. They can be group, they can be unit at some point, they can be whole group at some point, but they could be same people, but then even if one people's one person's missing, it would be okay. So I, I was very fascinated <laughs> by that idea because I know SM Entertainment's history too. You know, at first time I thought, well, they had so many maybe troubles with artists, so they were making group that if one person's missing, it wouldn't matter. That's how I thought. That's what I thought. But then it really wasn't. So they were really setting up this different cultures in one group, so like NCT U, NCT Dream, NCT 127. Now, when they first came out, people didn't get it. They didn't get the concept. They didn't know where they're going. But 2022, now everyone knows it. Everyone buys their album too. <laughs> so, Would you ever join a group or start your own label eventually? I would start my own label at some point. I, I would love to in a few years year two or three, I would want to go for my own label, but cooperating with uh, my label too, a current label as well, but not as a group. Oh no. Solo all the way. Let's go solo, <laughs> baby. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, first of all, more money. Second of all, uh, second of all, um, more money. More money. Third of all, a bit of more money, <laughs> uh, and, and and fourthly, um, 
I just don't want to bother the other members of the group. And then the members of we will have too long, too many dramas. Less money. Less money. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> too much time to uh, relate to each other. And now in Korean age, I'm 30. So I cannot. I want to ask what you are excited for the future. Like you said label, you said solo project. Like what's in the next 12 months for you? I'm excited. Well, to poetically put it, um, I'm excited for the oddity of life in the next 12 months. Just because I have no idea what's going to happen for the next few days. You know, I'm excited to throw myself into the, the river of oddity in the next few months. Sometimes not knowing anything, it's a good feeling. Some people get very worried. I, I feel worried, but even, even their feelings, I will enjoy it and, and see where this boat goes. But I'm also excited for my, you know, future label as well. If I, if I make one, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to release new songs soon. And to finish it off, lucky last question. If you could work on any part of your mental health at the moment, what would it be? Working on my insecurity, working on my numbness. <laughs> I feel like I need to feel a little more these days. Before I was feeling too much. Now I'm feeling a little too less. So <laughs> I need to figure out that balance. Yeah, so I would want to work on that, that part. Um, well, Really Mental is going to come up with a soundtrack for you to cry to. And we're, uh, going, to, we're going to test it on ourselves first, of course. <laughs> and then we'll make sure we send it to you. It may take six months, but we'll be working every day. May, please let me know. I really want to I really want to really see how that goes for me as well. And you know having this conversation to really help me out too. So I really want to personally thank you too for making me feel comfortable and relating to this weird self. I think what you guys are doing with um mental health it's it really helps the world a little more better place and helps a lot of people. I'm sure this will help a lot of people who are going through the similar problems or like similar moments. So good on you guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you. No, thank you for being a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm honored. I'm, I'm thrilled. So, Will, I really liked that episode with Neve. I wanted to ask you straight off the bat, what was your biggest takeaway? Yeah. Well, first of all, it was really cool talking to Neve and Again, I, I really enjoyed uh, hearing his perspective on things, which was pretty different to anything that I've actually heard before, especially when he mentioned being on a raft and sort of floating away and keeping the stress at bay. I've never heard anyone use that analogy, but I'm really glad that he's found that type of framing to manage the stress in his life, which from what he's doing and the amount of work he's doing in music, it sounds like there's a lot going on for him. I also think that him having his parents as a really good base of support, it was really endearing to me. I just think that that's pretty cool to have parents that you can have those conversations with. Yeah. No, I thought it was really interesting the point he made about processing his emotions through music and having something that allows him to kind of deal with these emotions and let them flow in a sense. Because I think you always have to find that thing, whether it's sport, whether it's music, whether it's crying, whether it's sitting and meditating, whether it's journaling, like you have to find something that works for you that helps you process and develop your emotions in a healthy, sustainable way. 
And I thought that that was really interesting that his was music. Yeah. With us getting busier too, I think that one thing I've realized is recognizing that it's okay to have stress. That's been something that I've recently learned and come to peace with. So hearing him talk about it in that way as well, I don't know, it sort of just made me feel validated with my journey that I've had around it and just accepting it. And I think that's a huge part of it. It's okay to be so busy sometimes that you're like, I have no time for myself. Like he was saying, everything will pass. And that's a huge thing to take away. I just want to thank you for coming this far into the episode. We hope you really enjoyed the chat. If you liked it, please send it to a friend. We think that this could really help people and we'd appreciate your support in helping us reach new humans like yourself. Remember to share, subscribe, follow the podcast and follow us on socials at Really Mental Podcast. Please, if you could as well, give us a five star. We really think Neve's story is worth that. He has got an incredible journey and he's an incredible musician. So please check out his music too. We have a very exciting guest coming up. We're not going to give it away this week, but just know that we're always sort of surprising you with new cool people that are offering different perspectives. So hopefully we'll see you next week at the same time, which is every Tuesday. And we'll see you there. Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. If you guys are struggling, Will and I aren't like professionals in this field. We're just telling our experiences through stories and kind of just sharing what we've been through. But if you are really struggling, we do highly suggest going to see a therapist and professional help because they will be the ones that can really help you in your situation. Yeah, of course. Feel free to share your stories with us and DM us. We want to know what you're going through, but make sure you take the time to speak to a professional because that's going to give you the most help. That said, we hope that these stories and the people we've spoken to can really help you on your journey to finding that right person, whether it's a therapist or that friend to talk to about it. Make sure you take the time to do that. <laughs>